Episode 159, Hello Bass Fishing Podcast. Special guest, Emil Wagner, 2023 BFL All-American winner, champion, winner of $120,000. We get into that story, Lake Lanier, Hardwell guiding, and a whole bunch more, herring, fishing, for largemouth bass, things like that. My audio's a little light in the beginning, but I think we get it fixed partway through the episode, so bear with it. It gets pretty good towards the end. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. Good evening, everybody. Wednesday night. Welcome to another HELLABASS Live back on our regular night. We're being some consistency, and we got a guest this week. So tonight's HELLABASS Live, as always, presented by Arsenal Fishing. And boosted by Powerhouse Lithium. If you guys haven't checked out the Arsenal bait wraps and some of the new stuff they have coming out, they got lots of new stuff. And uh, as always, if you're thinking about lithiums, give our guys Powerhouse, uh, you know, a look and uh, compare to what they got out there. But uh, we're not going to keep it any further. I'm going to just go ahead and bring our guest in. What's up, man? How's it going? Emil Wagner. What's up, Rich? How you doing? I appreciate you having me on. Does it ever get tired hearing 2023 BFL All-American champion? No, not at all. Not at all. It, I still like you, you have those moments you get so caught up in like fishing all the time. Like you don't forget, but you just kind of don't think about it for a while and someone will bring it up and you'll be like, yeah, I guess that did happen. So no, not, not tired of that. Is that kind of like, like being a president or a classic champ or something like that? Or like once, once you're, or like a super, like you're, once you're a champ, you're always a champ. You get that like feather in your hat and you can always like be referred to as the uh, BFL all American winner. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess that is one of those that's that's got a big, pretty big title to it. So, yeah, yeah, definitely can't take that one away. That's one of the things, like, I feel like the BFL American is always something I thought is a pretty big deal. And it is a big deal. And I feel like over the years, it's, it is it is a prestigious tournament, but I feel like it's through all no, it's, the it's lost it's, and I think it's, it's kind of lost yeah. a little bit. It's lost it. Not that, like... It's not any less hard to win it. It's not any less of a no. You're 100 percent right. Yeah. Publicity wise, it's kind of like not getting as much press as it used to. Yeah, yeah. I think it used to be. I'd say like back the can't remember. Was it Ken Milner that won on the Potomac? Like that, like that era and before. Like I don't know around like 2012. Sure. Like then and before, like it was like you won if you won the All American. It was like you you were almost kind of set in a way. Like not set. Like you're not even set if you win anything but maybe the classic but yeah i think it probably did a little more then than it does now but i'm sure that just has something to do with all the youtube and social media and everything being a part of tournament fishing and the tournament results not having as big of a factor as they used to yeah sounds like my volume's a little bit lower so i bumped it up let me know how it sounds and we'll keep turning it up as you guys tell me so trying to fix some like some some not grating sound that we had last time so let me know if that's better if you want me to keep bumping it up but uh yeah thanks for coming on absolutely uh, won. it was a uh, i mean came in a little hot from hockey practice so nice um didn't do as much uh i mean i'm pretty familiar but like the details research like so was hartwell 
That's where you want it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was back, it's been a few months now, right? When was the BFL American? May 31st to June 2nd. So it's been like okay. a month and a half, a little more than that. Sure, sure. I think I heard you on the FLW, or sorry, the MLF podcast with Jody shortly afterwards. Yeah. But... Yep, yeah. It's kind of funny. We actually, I guess I shouldn't call Jody out like this, but we, we did that whole thing and like nailed it first go. It was like 45 minutes. And he called me like an hour later. He was like, dude, I somehow didn't hit record and you had to redo it all. I think he might have even said that on his, like, because oh, he, he intro separate. I think he acknowledged yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, he may have mentioned it, yep. It yeah. happens. It does happen. It happened to Duncan this week. Really? <laughs> yeah, that would uh, suck, especially something like him, because you got the video going and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. But that's why we get live feedback and everybody can tell me to turn up the volume and then I don't have to wait till I've got, you know, an hour or so of, uh, you know, and it's like, right. oh, that was all garbage. They can tell me right away, turn it up, turn it down. Sounds good. Sounds bad. So how many people we got watching? We got uh, almost 50 people Sweet. ramping up, getting in here. Um, everybody says you sound good. I was a little quiet. Lots of familiar faces. We had a new member join like before the show, Kevin Underwood. So welcome to Team Hella. If you're here, Kevin, appreciate the joining the membership. I don't know if that's he's a guide. I guide on Lanier and he guides on Lanier. I'm assuming that's the same Kevin Underwood. Yeah, maybe. That's yeah. cool. Yep. So you fished a few BFLs before this. How many seasons have you like put towards like trying to qualify? For the BFL All American, looks like you kind of like got quite a few really just in the two bulldog and in some of those. So yeah, but I mean, last year I fished all of them in one division, and uh, I'm trying to remember, I think I had that right. Yeah, we had a regional on Murray, and I did all right. I think I finished like twentieth. But then this year I decided to fish ten of them, so I could get two shots at the All American and just two regionals. But um, I didn't even know it was on Hartwell till after all the regular season bfls but at that point i was pretty happy i did for sure to have two chances but yeah it's really just been two years before that i would just kind of fish the one at home or whatever but no it's last year and then this year where i've really gotten after it baby goat so (laughs) (laughs) nice Uh, but no that's really everything and i guess the last year the last two years of college too i kind of went after the tournament seemed pretty hard but nothing like the bfls and stuff that's really only been the last two years and then this year the toyotas as well so it's been it's been a packed season for sure so is there only is there three or four in the toyota oh yeah so toyotas there's three per division and they have shoot, I don't know, maybe four or five divisions. I fished the Southern and the Central. And then the BFLs, you have five regular season events. And then they take the top 45 from each division, do that from four divisions, so you get 180 guys. You all go to a regional championship, and then top six there, go to the All-American. Right. So you're, you're not, you've already finished the Central Toyotas, right, for this year? Yeah, the Central and, and the nine. Southerns are done. So that you're automatically in the uh, Toyota Championship now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is in, is that Gunnersville this year? Pick- Table Rock. It was Gunnersville Table. last year. Okay. Yeah. Right. Table Rock, no early November. Yeah. 
And then does that, uh, I guess one thing is like, is having a top nine, is that uh, something that would likely get you an invite to the invitationals in the future? Or do you think you have to, do they have like a set well, criteria or? Yeah. So I finished ninth. I get. I thought I finished seventh in the other one. I guess I was wrong, but I finished fifth in the other one. So that qualified me for the oh, okay, invitationals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the so southern ninth in the centrals and a fifth in the southern. Yeah, yeah, I had a bomb. One of them, I had like a second and a sixth, and then I got a hundredth at Gunnersville. So that kind of screwed that one up. But the other one, the southerns, I think was the one I got fifth in. I had like a second, a thirtieth, and a twenty something. But yeah, I bombed that that one on Gunnersville. But yeah, super excited for Table Rock. I mean, I've never been, but. I know there's a bunch of timber in it. There's a lot of clear water and it's in the mm -hmm. fall. So I feel like that'll be right up my wheelhouse, but who knows? So, be fun. so do you plan to fish the invitationals next year? I don't know. Um, I'm waiting on schedules. I actually, today was a very rare off day of guiding during the week. So I worked on a bunch of like sponsorship stuff for next year and trying to get all that figured out. Boat wraps. I don't know you know, financially what everything's going to look like. So that's still kind of up in the air, but there's a pretty good shot. It's the invitationals because so I get to fish. considering it. If it lets a good schedule and a few things yeah. come together. Yeah. I almost hope like I get to fish red crest next year and I feel like there might be an overlap with the opens. And if there is, it'll just make my decision way easier. Hmm. Do you mean so. MLF would schedule on top of bass if possible? Yeah, I know. Right. Unheard of. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Right on. But I kind of, I don't so, know. I, free, I was, I was pretty, I've been like tearing myself up about which one I wanted to do for a while. But like the more people I've talked to and like, even like at ICAST, I talked to a bunch of guys I know and whatnot. And it seems like you can, you can make it work on either side of things. It's not like one's sure. just vastly different from the other. So, I mean, Either way, I think it'll be a fun route, and if you don't enjoy one, you can just switch to the other. Right. So you're from kind of upper Marietta, Georgia, right? So that's like north of Atlanta? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, so like 30 minutes north of Atlanta. Lanier's like your home pond, I assume? or Yeah, it's still 40 in the mornings before traffic, like 40 minutes from the house, but... I drive up there pretty much every day, but yeah, that's, that's the home lake. I'm working on moving closer to the lake, but they're in Hartwell. Hartwell's like two hours, but I got there a good bit as well. So I usually drive up there once a week or so. Then we have Alatoona 20 minutes from the house, but that place kind of sucks. I fish there a lot. Sure. Like it's a, they've got a bunch of tournaments, but it's just a, it's a really good numbers. Like you go catch 50 and your best five away, eight or nine pounds. I'm sure you have some lakes like that up there, but. You got a few yeah so you said you're out there most every day is that like guiding or just time on the water or what what do guiding, you uh... yeah so okay. i cap it at like five sometimes i'll do six days a week but then even if i'm usually saturday there's a tournament so it ends up being almost every day yeah on linear or heart well one of the two because you can always find a tournament right now is probably the I guess the most calm our tournament season is all year because it's so hot and they just don't have tournaments for fish care. But yeah, especially in the wintertime, there's always a tournament. So I guide Monday through Friday and then sometimes I'll run a morning trip on the weekends. But our lakes get such bad boat traffic that 
Saturday and Sunday trips are just a no-go. Like it's borderline unsafe and it's not fun. <laughs> it's like it's, it's really bad. Tournament out there and have people well, driving it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'll go do it by myself or with a buddy. But when you're, you know, a lot of times you're with someone you don't know, and it's just right. It's rough. Lanier is really bad on the weekends. Do you guide on Hartwell or just Lanier? Hartwell and Lanier. Probably ninety percent of the trips are on Lanier, and then. Like I had the high school championship came through Hartwell. They had the juniors and the the regular high school kids are going. They start tomorrow, so I had a bunch of them. I took them out before, so I had like I got it up there all week, one week, and then I got it up there yesterday. So mm-hmm. yeah, go up there a decent bit, but Lanier mostly. Nice. So you weren't any stranger to Hartwell coming yeah. to that All American. No, that's that's always been my favorite lake, like tournament wise. I I won my first tournament there in high school, so I guess that kind of you know made me like it from an early age. But it's it's got a lot more options than Lanier. Lanier's a lot more black and white. There, there's I mean, even on the south end, you can go up shallow and fish for largemouth, and they actually play. Like on Lanier, there's so many three to five pound spots that you catch. You know, if you're catching them, you catch 17 to 20 pounds almost every time. And it's, they're all between, you know, three and a half and four and a half pounds. But on Hartwell, the kickers play a lot bigger factor. So you might have two five pounders that anchor a bag with three that are, you know, between two and a half and three or something. So a lot of times over there, you have to mix it up more to, to catch them. Whereas on the Lanier, it's like, you're, you're kind of always doing the same thing. Just chasing big spots offshore. Not to say that you don't do that on Hartwell, but it's just, it's a little more diverse. They bite a yeah, lot better over sure. there too, for whatever really reason. Weird. I don't know if it's it's the fishing pressure or just how big the lake is, but you you can just tell when you throw at them they they haven't seen as many lures over there. Well, yeah, and like the population density around Lanier and Lanier is not yeah, as big, right? Exactly. So, I mean, exactly, exactly. Lanier is insane, though. I, it's probably. I would go out and say it's probably the top three lakes in the southeast, at least, if not the best. It's incredible. Like just for spots or regardless spots. of species? Okay. I mean, there's a lot of big largemouth <laughs> in it, but the spots are so big and you can catch them so consistently that except with the exception of like March and April, you really don't see them too often. You'll see like in the fall, someone will have like one that they randomly caught offshore, but it's, I'm, I'm talking spotted bass. It's, it's really good. And the last three to four years it's just been getting better every year and everyone's just kind of waiting on it to stop but it just keeps getting better it takes anywhere from i mean in the winter time it used to be like if you had 20 pounds all spots in the winter time you were like yeah i'm gonna win unless something you know freaky happened and even less than that 18 or 19 but now in the winter time like it takes anywhere from 21 to 23 to win anything and that's all spotted bass yeah that's pretty cool i've uh I think I spent three or four hours one time on Hartwell a long time ago, right before I fished Clark's Hill for a weekend series, like a Bassmaster weekend series nice. championship. So that gives you an idea how long ago that, that was like before ABA took it over. Um, and then uh, nice. I've never been to Lanier, but it's on a, one of those places I definitely want to check out. All right. You need to. Sounds like you my volume through. is. Sounds What's good that? to me. I said, you need to come, you need to come through Lanier if you can. It's, it's insane. I love Clark's Hill too, though. That's, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, it was a different lake back when I fished. It still had quite a bit of grass in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, it was an interesting lake for sure. 
it's it's weird like i do our corporate office is in atlanta and i do get down there but it's like i never plan enough to like make extra time but i need to mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's i'm telling you you won't regret it it's special which is kind of surprising considering it's so close to you know usually when you're close to dallas atlanta you know whatever yeah. like those lakes are usually trash so the fact that it's yeah. still that good uh, is telling no, you something. it's yeah no, i don't know what's i'm sure it has a lot to do with live scope and then there's so much more information out there now and everyone can see stuff but i think it's a combo of the lake being on a major upswing and everyone's figuring out how to catch them so those two mm -hmm. things combined together just equal a lot of really big fish caught but like i said i'm sure it'll catch up to them at some point but well, it's, it been, it's been good for a while i'm sure it's not been like it, it goes up and down but like yeah even when yeah it's not, even when it's not like good it's still taking like 17 18, 18 pounds right yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like mm -hmm. and like even like when hallman won and that was like what almost 10 years ago right like yep. that was at the time yeah pounds. yeah yeah he had 23 and change and that was the biggest like bag other than one or two i'd ever seen weighed in on the lake and i've seen one I, my buddy weighed 24 70 that's the biggest bag i've ever seen all spots there but yeah when hallman did that that was unbelievable yeah and they nice. had pretty good weights for that that was he came for the tour event right yeah flw it would have been the flw tour back then <laughs> yeah yeah true but yeah i think they had a lot of 17 and 18 pound bags in that event but that was kind of before it like really blew up right on so back to hartwell and the uh so you you were you were uh did, did you know the all-american was there before you like went hard on the bfls or did you mm -hmm. find out after like you don't find out until you're already like qualified for a regional at that point right or yeah yeah so they they released it in the fall like before before the actual regional to like to know what you were qualifying for, but after all, all the events to get there. So when I saw it like on their press release or whatever, I was like, holy crap, like that's huge. And I did everything I could to get there. Like the first one on Murray, I practiced for five days. The most I'd ever practiced for an event was before that was like two days, just cause. So Murray was your regional? Yeah, I had two regionals, so Murray and Smith. Okay. And yeah. so how, which one did you make it out of? I made it out of both. I finished fourth at Murray and then second at Smith. I lost Smith by two ounces to Wiggins, hmm. which sucked. But Jesse? Yeah. But we're good friends now because I fished the Toyota and then lost to his brother this year. I got second. So they that that family's got my number for sure. But they got most people's numbers on Smith Lake. I mean, I yeah, I know. They're like, hard. Only to getting beat. beat by two ounces is like winning most other tournaments. Yeah. It, that's probably like other than like Hartwell, that's probably my favorite tournament like ever though. So mm -hmm. it just sets up so well for what I like to do. It's it's awesome. It's kind of tough too, which I like. Like thirteen pounds there is actually like a decent bag, especially when we were there in the fall. But that place is awesome. Nice. So Mur uh Murray in South Carolina. Mm hmm So there I assume you were fishing largemouth. Yeah, yeah. That, I don't. I don't think they have any spots in there, but they've got a few random smallmouths that like never show up. But we went there. We went there in the fall. Um, I guess it was October, and that lake's like incredible. I got a couple of buddies that live over there, and like August, like late August, when it's kind of like not so good here, it was like unbelievable there, taking like twenty two, twenty three, twenty four pounds to win anything. Like you could throw a pencil popper 
within a hundred yards of a cane bio and they'd just come up and crush it. And then when we were there, it had just turned over and it was, it was like super, super grimy. Like some of the toughest like offshore herring fishing I'd ever seen. Like you had to really dig deep to catch anything. It was, I think I had, um, 11 something the first day four or 16 the second day and then like 14 the last day which for murray standards is not very good i'm sure you right. saw that from the elite <laughs> event this year but no that's yeah that's the elite and the bpt were both there and it was yeah like yeah some yeah, kind of silly it, it is and it's like they're in there but we it was a combination with the turnover which made it really tough but then a few of the days in practice we had like clouds and wind which made it, it herringfish always bite when it's cloudy and windy and then the tournament it was sunny and dead slick just like it was the year before for that regional and it just i mean you you could throw at a school of 50 of them present the bait perfectly do everything right and they just wouldn't even sniff it it was tough so i mean you're obviously pretty skilled with herring but you obviously i guess in your southerns this year that you took fifth, that was Eufaula, Okeechobee, and Harris Chain. So two Florida lakes in Eufaula, right? So like no herring involved there. <laughs> right. And then right. Uh, in the centrals, I guess Chickamauga, Gunnersville, and Smith. So only one of those would be kind of like a, a spot lake, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. Smith Lake have herring too? Yeah. Yeah. Not not okay. near as many as Lanier Hartwell, I don't think, but sure. it's got some in it. It's got some in it, but not nearly what the other ones do. But yeah, you're right. I I didn't expect like the Toyotas this year. I was just chalking it up as like a learning experience for just like get it out of the way this year and then hopefully do better next year. But it ended up going really well. The Florida Lakes actually love. Harris Chain should have been a lot better than it was, but I I, I enjoyed those places. Even Okeechobee, like punching and throwing a chatterbait and all that. It's, It's fun. Yeah, very cool. Nice. So you tracked it up as a learning experience and you, you did okay. Yeah, exactly. It ended up Cashing some checks and, and making some money this year. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to make any money in it when you're paying it all on your own. So to come out positive was very nice. Did, it looks like you run a Phoenix. Did you tap? Did you get any Phoenix bonuses this year? Yeah. So I, obviously the all American, that was 20,000. And then I won the BFL on Kiwi that was a $7,000 bonus. And then I think I got some other like highest finisher ones, like 500 bucks, but those were the only MLF bonuses I got. Cool. So what, what, so I guess let's, let's jump back to Hartwell. Like what was the, in May, that's, is that the herring spawn timing or is that more like schooling or what, what, what kind of, what phase was this, the fishery in late May, early June? So, Herring spawn normally happens April into like early mid-May. Okay. And we were at that weird phase where the herring spawn was pretty much totally over, but they hadn't got like out in the brush and like offshore, like, you know, where they get every year and set up really good and bit really good. So they were in these weird, like in-between places. And I think that's where like being a local helps out a lot. Like if you saw the standings, like first, second, and third was me. Matt O'Connell and Buddy Benson, and we all fish against each other every weekend. So it was, it honestly lined up perfectly because if it had been like late June, like right now, I've been, I got, I went there yesterday. They're all on the most obvious community holes in the whole lake. And there's a lot of them, but they're on like your typical, you know, humps that are not very big in the middle of the lake, like super easy to find a, a long point. 
something like that. Whereas that time of year, a lot of them were related to like stupid stuff, like, you know, a brush pile, but it was on some flat bank or a lot of it was just like not even brush related. Like there was just certain little places where there was huge schools of fish. Like this one, one of my best places, there was like a mile long shoal marker and there was a massive school of fish, like way down the side of it where I felt like nobody else had looked and zero clue why they were sitting there, honestly, but there wasn't any herring spawn going on there. Now, two or three of the places I had that I mentioned in the report were like little drops that went from like six, seven, eight foot straight down to like 15. And those may have been super late herring spawn related, but I didn't see any herring up there. So it wouldn't have made any sense for it to be. But my point is just that three, four weeks later, I think a lot more people find them all. And a lot of guys did find some really good stuff. But that time of year, it's like, it's, it's pretty dang tough. And you can see the weights. It only took like 12 pounds a day to make the top 12. But it's just, they're in that super weird transition between the herring spawn and trying to be fully offshore. And you kind of just have to meet them in between. Sure. And so you're hunting and pecking in a lot of non-traditional, non-obvious. Is that a side scan thing? Or is that like trolling motor live scope? Like, well, how are you hunting them yeah. down? Uh, combo of the two. So... I obviously before live scope, it was all side and down scan and you'd see your brush or whatever, and you'd turn around and throw over it if it had fish on it. But now it's hard to, so if it's, if it's a point or a hump, that's not that vast, I'll just pull up to it and live scope it because it's so much more efficient and you can, you can just, you'd get a way better layout of everything. But mm -hmm. when you're dealing with like a, a half a mile or a mile long shoal marker, kind of hard to live scope all that. So I'll side and down scan and just see what I can see. But the only problem with that is a lot of the times on herring lakes, it's like I said, that time of year, they're not always on a piece of brush. And I think if you idle over them, you spook them. So if there's 40 fish sitting there, you idle over them. By the time you idled over them, you're either seeing a very little picture of what's actually there or, or the, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but what I, yeah, like I mean, in that event, I'd it, say probably half the places I fished were places I already knew where they were going to be. And then I came four days before the cutoff and graphed or side scan and down scanned as much as I could. But then if I saw even like anything I thought could be something, you know, you turn around and live scope it. And a lot of times you'd see what you didn't think was much and you turn around and there'd be a massive school of them. And I think that's, I think that's a combo of, them being spooked from you idling and B, I just think you miss a lot of a lot of them on downscan when it's straight fish. Like you'll see four and you'll turn around and there'll be twenty. So hmm. it's a combo of the two, but definitely get a way better read of what's going on with live scope. So do you think you're on the trolling motor like running hard like in practice more or like is it in the tournament actually chasing the fish I mean like where, where do you think yeah, you in, your trolling in practice because like it's like, like said, you're I just like on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I graph quite a bit, like I said, with the live scope on my trolling motor. And one thing that helps with that, I will say, I've got two um, parallel 36 volt 40 amp lithiums. They're, a, mm -hmm. they're by Powerhouse, and I've got them on a switch with an AGM. And or I'm sorry, I've got the, I've got those in a parallel for the trolling motor. So it's got double redundancy. So if one goes out, I can switch it over to the right. other. But I, I mean, I. I promise you before that, the last Phoenix I had, I went through three sets of the blue top Optima 31 sizes in two years. And 
because wow. I would kill him. Like you could go out there and be on the trolling motor all day and you would kill him every time. I mean, you know, eight hours in they were toast, but these ones I can, I can stomp on it for 12 or 13 hours, which, which is why I did for that event, you know, in practice, you'd be out there all day on it and you can't, you can't kill them. And then I've got a 16 volt hundred amp for all my graphs. And it just, I mean, they're, they're super fast and that live scope. I mean, even if there's some people that say like, Oh, anything, you know, on over 13 volts is unnecessary. Like it's a peace of mind thing. And you know, it's never going to dip down anywhere near where you're going to get a worse read. So yeah, I've got, right. I've got that 16 volt hundred amp and then I've got it with an AGM and I've got them on a switch. So if there's ever an issue, I can just hit that switch and it'll switch back to one or the other. And then, yeah, those two parallel batteries are huge for power and backup. Nice. And you got running guns stacked on those as well then, or? Oh yeah. I got two running guns in there. So it all charges when you fish. It's, it's awesome. I've never, before that it was just like AGMs. I've never had lithium anything and standard charger. And this is a whole new deal. It's sweet. Very happy to be with them this year. So did you just start running the, that big lithium setup in 2023? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is my first year running them and then going to do it. So again you want how many year. all Americans before you had powerhouse lithium? Yeah, it was pretty much all because of powerhouse. I mean, I mean, obviously you won zero all yeah. Americans before that. Now you won. I mean, but no, like on on a on a serious <laughs> note, like in practice, like no joke. Like I came before the cutoff, and it was four days daylight to dark, and that time of year, that's whatever 13, 13 hours, and you're on the trolling motor a ton of the day, and they never died, and that was like. That was always, I don't know why I didn't try to get lithiums earlier, but I would run through AGMs before having sure. lithiums. I wish I would have made the switch earlier for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. I guess I only have the, uh, I got the 16 volt, same kind of setup you have for one of my graphs. I didn't have as much time using mine. Mm -hmm. Like I only had live scope for like a month before it froze last year. So I didn't have a lot yeah. of time to like get a baseline of like, how my graphs are running off just an AGM versus now, like so, I feel like my whole experience has mostly been with the 16 volt as far as like live scope and stuff. So I can't really defend. I mean, it's good, it's awesome, everything works flawlessly, but I don't, I can't say that I have like a great baseline to like before it was this good and after it was this good. But right, right. Uh, what do you run? So it was. Uh, I got a uh, CX20. Canis. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I got that last June and. uh yeah, so I got uh yeah, I I love it. It's uh, I don't know if you've been in it, but I uh I have a buddy, one of the guys I fish with, he has a PHX twenty one and I feel like nice. the rides and the softness and the way they take big water are very similar. So pretty nice. pretty pleased with it for sure. Yeah, I think I'm gonna <laughs> stick with Phoenix again next year, but I I got a buddy who works for Camus and that was a I'm still potentially looking at it, but the bonuses are just so good in a Phoenix when you fish MLF. Yeah, that's the one thing. If you're fishing Toyotas and BFLs, and if you even if you go, I mean, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you have to be a really good advantage up front to offset the potential. I mean, obviously, yeah. if you're having the success you're having, it's yeah. Yeah, all you have to do is win one, and it it pays off. Whether it's a BFL or a Toyota or anything, but yeah, actually, I meant to tell you before I got on. You texted me and like I I didn't have your number saved. Like I don't even think you said your name at first. So I was like, who is this guy? And then you sent or I like opened that link. I recognized you from Sobe's channel. The oh, all right. The nice. Nighters, yeah, that's a good series. Very cool. Yeah, that's cool. So that gave me like street cred. That uh, you're like, oh, I've seen this there game before. Yeah.
let's uh maybe check out a few questions here uh frank says do you, i don't know do you do anything besides fish in the off season or is it, there is no off season because you're guiding and just all the time well guiding all year so even in december i mean it's a little slower in the winter time you get a lot more like your in the summer, you get a lot more like your people who don't really fish. You know, they're just like, oh, I want to go catch a fish. And then in the wintertime, obviously, it's more like specific bass fishermen. But no, it's it's all fishing. I mean, it's guide all year long. And then usually once late January hits, it's tournaments until late May. And even this year, like I'd be back home for three days and I'd guide for two and then prep the one day and then leave. So guiding all year and tournament fishing. And I do a little bit of stuff on the side to make some extra money, but that's about yeah. it. Tennessee Bassmaster, no. Do you know anything about Raven Lake in Georgia or Lake Raven? Never heard of it. I don't know how I know. Okay. I'm curious. <laughs> he said it looked cool, but he didn't get a chance to fish it. I'm going to look uh, it up. I'm kind of curious now. Brian wants to know what's your what's your yeah, like what's your bread and butter lure technique like what how do you how do you like to catch them or what's your preferred or favorite or most confident? Um, pre live scope probably like frogging and fishing shallow topwater and stuff. But now it's it would probably just be throwing topwaters and flukes over herring fish in the summertime. It's mm. hard to beat it. Yeah. Really, I guess a better way to put it would be fishing brush, offshore brush. That's definitely okay. my favorite way to fish right now, or at least the one I feel most confident in winning a tournament doing. I did it at Ufala. I didn't do it at Chickamauga, but there were stumps there, which is kind of the same idea. They were just really shallow. But, yeah, really offshore target fishing. That's probably my favorite favorite technique. Right on. So what uh, what were the what were the key baits and techniques and like for the, the All-American? Um, six cents catwalk, a zoom super fluke, and a Sabeel magic swimmer. Those three things. Okay. That's it. Like Berkeley magic swimmer or old school Sabeel magic swimmer. But that was the old one. But I do. I, I'll be honest. The only difference is like there's a slight sound difference. I catch them on. I guide with the regular one because I don't want to throw the old ones. But we catch the crap out of them on both. Like I think it's probably okay. more in your head than anything. But yeah. You it's just like that little when you're in a tournament you're like i want that little extra just in case yeah. like that yeah. little extra confidence you're like that guy's got the new one i've got the 13 or the 30 year old 20 year old patrick sabile original yeah like yeah no the biggest and i mean i was throwing a custom painted one i was throwing a straight white one too but it's like yeah it's pretty much the same deal the big deal with it is how you work it it's uh i throw it on a little bit heavier line and you hold your rod tip up and you kind of have it waking under the surface and they were crushing it like that, like that, that we, sometimes when it's like really tough and they won't come up, you can let it ride a little bit lower in the water column and they'll get a better look at it. But that's definitely a herring like staple. There's a bunch of guys who throw it. It's, they, it's funny though, cause there's, the Sabeel is really like the only, like not even tight wobble, but like more subtle, like herring, like hard swim bait that was out and Spro just came out with one. Yeah, which is kind of similar, but even those like hand or those handmade ones, like the sweet baits, the Farleys, you know, they got Southern Hook Company now. They got all those like handmade herring baits. They're all that one a that, lot more. The that, that Kimmel. Yeah, yeah, Kimmel's Kimmel's a sweet. That's more of a 
glide bait, so I don't put it in the same category. I know it's, so like, it's a like a high speed. Fast, it's like a it's more like it's a herring a high, glide, but it's still a glide. Okay, exactly. It's a high speed <laughs> glide, but I'm thinking like three or four joints. But any of those handmade ones, they've got like a really aggressive wide wobble. But that's Sabil. It just like glides, and if you ever see a herring moving in the water, that's they're just like they almost just straight line. Like it's really subtle. It's almost like Patrick Sabil knew what he was doing back then. Yeah, yeah, he was ahead <laughs> of his time. I remember, so like when, when I, I think that was before, I think we were in the, the pre-show that I fished Clark's Hill way back when, like, I don't know, it must be, if I had to guess, it was 15 plus years ago now. Yeah, it was probably way different. Um, but, like, I feel like there was still, the, the Magic Swimmer is still kind of a secret. Like, not, it wasn't something people talked about. Like, it was kind of, mm-hmm. like, hard to find. Like, I don't think I had any. I think my buddy from Tennessee that I was down there with had one and he was like, wow, I was catching some fish in practice. This thing's really cool and didn't really mm-hmm. know how to throw it. But then I remember like shortly after that, it got like super exposed on like when the elite series went there. And yeah. I remember like thinking like when the elite series first went there and they went, when they were go- those couple years when like, I forget who won it, like McClellan won one and I don't remember a couple got, yeah, I don't know. But that those top water, shad spawn or not shad the herring spawn top water for like two or three years at the beginning of elite series when they were going like that was like amazing tv and i was like i yes. need to go there during a herring spawn because that looks absolutely bananas yeah yeah and it's funny because there's like the like herring oriented baits are such like a niche or niche category like the sabil like i feel like if you've never heard of or been to a herring like oh, you have no clue what that is i'm sure there's some dude who's got it figured out on another lake where it catches them but I, that's what i was just about to lead into is like i bought a bunch because i thought it was so awesome and they seem like literally useless up here yeah. in minnesota well yeah because it's it's just its own deal it's the same as like a lot of those lures like kind of like the uh there's a lot of guys throwing that like jackal riser now i'm sure that's probably got more applications but that's kind of the same same idea and then all those like hand-painted swim baits like it's a very just niche kind of category but there's a lot of cool baits cool baits being made and cool baits that guys throw for them. Even top waters. There's a lot of, a lot of cool top waters to throw. And there's a lot of Japanese stuff too, that some guys have started throwing, but it's, I feel like it's a category that more companies could tap into for sure. Sure. Yeah. I I got probably five or six, but I don't know. I don't don't think there's really a market for the original. I don't know. Do you think there's like, yeah, I mean, it's like a good, if it was like a white or a holo greenie, like, yeah, that's probably 50 bucks. 60 okay. bar. Yeah. I do have a, a fun story about herring lakes, the baits. I had a, a bone white, uh, the paycheck, the one. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, put that's... it on eBay. It went for $212 to yeah. Jay Williamson in South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have some people upset you said that. I bought one for. What I pay for it? 150, I think, not too long ago, and I felt like an idiot. I'll be honest, I haven't even thrown it yet. I just wanted it, but it's those things are. I don't even. There was for a while. I'm sure you saw them. There was some Japanese vendor that had them on there for like, I think it was like 240, and they all went. And I don't. I don't think there's hmm. any on there anymore. But yeah, 
they got that one. They have a silent one too. That's the one I got. But I'm sure someday if I ever have like a regional or a national tournament down on a herring, like I'll regret that. But like up here, it was like, I, it was like three, four years ago, and I was rebuilding my. Uh, I had a older EFI Mercury that needed a new power head, and I was like, I need some cash. Like I yeah. don't need this bait. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's it's funny because everyone thinks of the uh, the repo man, which is obviously super, yeah. You know, hard to find expensive whatever but that that the one if you have any of those they'll they sell for a lot of money I'm more i wish i could have yeah I like, I like to collect my og vixens instead like that that's much way more productive up here nice you throwing any of the new ones yeah that's a new one under it right that's there I thought. yeah i think the gen threes are pretty good like yeah i think if people spent more time fishing the gen threes they would stop paying so much for the originals that's how i feel like all that stuff is like 90 the, gen of the, twos, the ones right. in the middle definitely are not the same as the originals or the I'm not saying they won't catch fish but they're not yeah. what about um, the tackle knocker is that what you consider gen two I, I actually just bought one of those i haven't fished it i bought it because i was <laughs> they had some frogs at the hookup in a color yeah. which is actually just they were they were clearancing out natural red spros for like eight bucks and nice. omnia didn't have that color so i was like i need some of those and i was like needed to get to 50 bucks to get free shipping and I, they had a, yeah. a repo man in in stripper pole and i was like well <laughs> that's a no-brainer <laughs> that's a classic when you got like 40 dollars in the cart and then you see the shipping and you're like well now you, you gotta like find some random thing to add to the cart but i feel like yeah i mean yeah kick knocker i think the kick knockers are pretty good but i think what do they they go I've for like quite a few yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty good. They're legit. Um, I mean, they're not. Are you a tackle man. I'm not as bad as I used to be. Like when I was yeah, your I'm age, I was bad. a big time tackle junkie, and now I've like rehabbed a little bit. I'm a little more yeah. like try to keep things a little more basic. And I mean, I still like to have some stuff new. And yeah, I mean, but like I don't like yeah. jump on every little JDM trend and every swim bait oh, yeah. and every like you can't. It's so much money. No. I mean, I feel like I used to be like the most minimalistic person of anyone I knew, but now like the last two years I have bought a lot more than I probably need, but I still feel like I have way less tackle than most people. I mean, I got that one pegboard up there and you know, probably ten ten Plano boxes and that's about it. And then obviously all the soft plastics, but I, I try to keep tackle, it but I'm a, a little more responsible and more What's the word? Deliberate about it? Yeah. Like, yeah. I buy a ton of what I actually use. So, like, something I know I catch them all year, I will have, like, soft plastic wise, I'll have like 40, 50 packs of them. But I'd just rather spend them, you know. Definitely don't get in a rut where you're, like, not trying new stuff. But it's like, if you go too crazy with it, I feel like it just has a opposite effect. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't get as color like like if they won't eat like a variation of green pumpkin or black and blue, I'm probably not gonna 100%. catch them. <laughs> yeah, like... I'm not. That's that's the one thing I think you can simplify easier than anything. Like if they're not biting, obviously like base colors make a big difference, but like yeah, like flake or like little tiny subtle changes that stuff i personally don't think makes a very big difference at all yeah like now, black and blue versus white are yeah. bone colored in my box yeah, yeah bone <laughs> and chrome and that's literally it that's all you need and same with a jerk bait pro blue and uh, i was talking to rj about that earlier 
but like I literally throw pro blue. Speaking of people that have problems when it comes yeah. to jerk baits. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I was joking about. But like I throw pro blue and then some white one that's kind of clear. <laughs> I don't even remember the name of it. But there's guys who will have like 40 jerk bait colors. And I'm like, you're gonna spend more time figuring out which color they're on than you know, just making a total bait swap, which would probably make a big difference. We know RJ doesn't actually fish them. He just Oh, he just likes collecting them. Yeah, he's in his own world. Uh, Nice. So back, there was somebody that actually had a question about the Magic Swimmer here. Let's, uh, JP wants to know, uh, how do you like to fish? Or what are, maybe there's a couple ways, but like, what are the, give us the two most common productive retrieves for your Magic Swimmer on a herring lake? burning it as fast as you possibly can or a medium retreat i never pause it or anything like that but i and the funny thing is i really don't i didn't like a sabille very much at all before the all-american i've always had a bunch of them and like i've caught fish on them but like for whatever reason in tournaments it was usually a top water or a fluke or something like that or like a different hard swim bait like a sweet bait that one's really popular around the house but um that all-american i i just happened to pull it out uh I think the last day of practice and caught a few big ones on it. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll keep one on. And then the first day of the tournament at 1130, I had like one three and a half pounder and I pulled a different color one out of the rod locker and proceeded to catch like 10 or 15 over three pounds on it. And, but before that, like it really wasn't a big player for me in tournaments. And since then I've, I've been throwing it more, but sure. yeah, to answer his question, medium retrieve kind of like you'd reel a you know like a spinner bait or something or burning the absolute crap out of it to where it's turning on its side out of the water it's like they're really coming out of the just like exactly like when they're super active and it's like really windy or something there are times when that's like the way to get them to bite and that stuff changes every day that's what's so weird about a herring lake like it's all like almost everyone can find them, but it's all about figuring out how to trigger them to go and commit to a bait. And that has to do with color, retrieve rate, pausing a bait. Like there's a million different things that go into that, but it's like little tiny changes every day on how to trigger them. I feel like that's a large part of being successful. Doing Which it. I imagine LiveScope makes that so much easier. A hundred percent. Before LiveScope, it was just have a really accurate waypoint a good antenna on your boat and throw and you know you'd throw 10 20 times and try some different stuff but now that you have it i mean you can learn as you go even if they follow your stuff like okay they you know they followed it there and you might do that three or four places in a row and then you're like i'm going to make an adjustment the next three places and they still I'm gonna follow switch it color. Make, i'm going to switch a retrieve yeah. i'm going to switch baits yeah and you can tell literally by the rate at which they come at your lure once you figured it out like when you've got them going they come up so fast like by the time you see them come up one's already got your loser but yeah it's made it you can learn so much with that stuff it's unbelievable it's just taking full advantage of it i'm very much still a little bit of a noob with the live scope but there have been some times with like like late last year one of the first times i really saw its power and i've told the story on here is like it was like november 12th we're like the last day before it's gonna like freeze like and i was catching some pike and stuff on lipless crankbaits um and then i started like slow rolling a a, a bladed jig and i could see fish kind of like poke out of the wheat clumps like mm-hmm. you would see a move when your your bladed jig came but it's like well they're right. clearly not 
but they don't want this. And then I would like throw my jig in there, same thing. And uh, I was like, all right. So I was like, try to jerk bait. And then like I, I took a regular jerk bait. And I was like, man, it's still really high above the weed clumps. Like I can right. see it on my right. And I was like, I don't know if water this cold, they're going to come up that far. And then literally I went to the MR jackal and I could yep. see it was like right at the weed clumps and like yep. first cast, boom. And I was like, hmm. And you see it like, just barely. That saved me like a lot of time. Of <laughs> yeah. Like, right. And it's like, how like, do you even know you're over that clump? Like, with it? that's why like you're just seeing a jerkbait play. 90x more than it used to i mean it's just that bait's just built for that kind of a deal and before it's really only good if you know you're putting it in front of them you know what i mean that's why like a trap before that was good because you were covering way more water it was just like Uh you would just take advantage of the few bites you got whereas that jerk bait deal it's like it has to be presented right kind of like you said when before you had the deep diving one on like they weren't even going to see it but with the deep one plus live scope you can get it down to where you know if they're in that grass patch they're going to see it and then right. you'll and see them ease see, out of it. I couldn't see the fish until they would come out of right, the right. clump. But I always that's knew usually, like, that's been near experience. a clump, so then I could like let it sit there for a second. And right. if they reacted, then I could let it sit longer. If they didn't, then it would like twitch it away, right? And like, yeah. So there's definitely scenarios where like there's probably times you don't see fish on a brush pile, right? And you bring something over the top of it, and all of a sudden they 100%. come flying out of there, right? But you wouldn't know to like give it that hover or that twitch or yep. whatever that you need to. You know when to do the thing that makes them want to do it at the right time versus just randomly like pausing and you're like, there could not be a fish. Like how many hours of our lives did we waste suspending jerkbaits when there wasn't a fish within like a quarter mile of our jerkbait? Or even a piece of structure, like literally (laughs) just open water between the grass and you're sitting there waiting 20 seconds for absolutely nothing to happen. Yeah. Yeah, but no, you're, you're, that's been my experience with it too, fishing grass. Like, I remember the Toyota on Harris Chain this year, I was catching them out of like two very specific grass patches, and there were so many in them that, like, they were only the size of like a boat or two, maybe. So you could literally see the fish in some of them. But like on Gunnersville, I actually had a pretty good practice um, doing the standard chatterbait and the trap in the grass. But there, there's just so much of it. You're more just going down a grass line. And I would try sometimes to like throw the trap and look at it on scope. And it was, it was way worse than if you would just throw it down the line and not pay attention to it. It's like with a trap is just like the least live scopey bait possible, but it's like, it was almost like if you were paying too much attention to it, it wouldn't work. Whereas if you would just fish it and rip it out of the grass, you could get it a lot better. But yeah, when you've got like a specific target like that, it's, it's huge. Chatterbaits can be like that too, right? Like yeah. animals just want to like let it sink down, let exactly. it catch in the grass, pop it out. Like Exactly. I very few are... times have I live scoped one with a chat. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever caught one on a chatterbait on live scope, but I love throwing one. So. Yeah. But it's still nice to like there have been times when I'm like, I think I'm really slow rolling this chatterbait. And then you look over and you're like, yeah. I'm only four feet down. I thought it was 10 right. feet down. <laughs> like, I better right, slow down or yeah. put a bigger one on or change yeah. my trailer because this is not like, right? Yeah. And that's a good point you you brought up. Like, just to see like fall rates and how far you're like ticking the grass and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Mm. Well, I'm going to get some questions in. I'm going to take a quick tiny break here for one of our uh, are you ready to reel in your next home purchase or refinance 
Supreme Lending's dream team can help guide you through the entire mortgage process, from pre-qualification to closing. We have a wide variety of home loan programs in our tackle box, including down payment assistance and first-time homebuyer options. You can ask Hellebass. He trusted us to help finance his home. Contact the Dream Team today by searching Supreme Lending Dream Team or click the link below in the description or scan the QR code on your screen. All right, we're back. Thanks for everybody's patience. You guys, if anybody's, uh, are you looking to get a new house with like a new garage to put all those like giant checks and trophies in? Or, I mean, if you do, my yeah. buddy can help you out, Emil. So. Yeah, actually, I've been looking for land for months now, but it's so expensive anywhere I'm looking. So I'd like to build for sure, but it's it's so tough right now. And interest rates are good, so that's always a bonus. So Oh, yeah, they're wonderful. <laughs> it's not even the interest rates, though. Like, I could get over that because you could refinance, right. but just the prices of the houses, at least around here, are just ridiculous. Sure. Well, you said you're trying to get closer to Lanier, which means you're trying to get closer to Atlanta, so that's probably not like a... Well, actually, further. That would be like oh, 30 minutes north, yeah. But okay. it's still just stupid expensive. And there's people just... I mean, anything decent, some house flipper bought it and made it a little nicer looking, and you're not... I don't know. It's just... It's bad. Yeah. Well, if you're getting further from the year, that means you're getting closer closer to Hartwell, though. Well, even right. then, I'd have to get closer to Lanier. So, <laughs> all right, yeah, nice. But I could move to Hartwell, I guess. But I don't know. I like this area. That'd be pretty far. Sure. Away. I mean, you're gonna. I mean, you might be living out of a your camper, or you're living out of a back of your truck next year if you're if you fish the uh, invitationals. So I know. I know. Usually, what we did this year, we had like. We'd get like anywhere from five to eight guys and just get an Airbnb. And it was actually yeah. awesome. I mean, for the week, it'd be anywhere from 100 to like max $300, which is really nothing for seven, eight days no. in a pretty decent house. I mean, you get enough guys, that is totally the way to do it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We we're, we have our our Bass Nation State Tournament next year up on Leech, or next week up on Leech. And we've got a pretty sweet house and there's like nice. 10 of us there. So it's like 175 bucks a piece. Nice. What's that going to get you to the team championship? No. So this will get me. So if uh, the top six go direct to the Bass Nation championship, and then the next 10 get to go to the qualifiers, which is kind of replacing the regionals for the Bass Nation. Nice. Yeah. Heck yeah. But, uh, Heck yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So pretty jacked about that. You feel good about uh, it? You like Leech Lake? I've definitely heard I do of the like leech, but I've always been more of a like I've always uh, a uh, largemouth guy on that lake, and now the smallmouth have really exploded out there. So now I feel like I'm gonna have to like tap into like un like brand. It's gonna be like kind of like a brand new lake to me from that perspective because I've never really mm -hmm. spent the time fishing for uh, smallmouth out there. No, and it's, it's a hundred thousand acre lake. It's massive. Holy it's... crap! Yeah, <laughs> like I think yeah, it's... Lanier's thirty-four thousand, or is it sixty-four? Why am I drawing a blank on that? Thirty-eight thousand. So yeah, that's over twice the size of Lanier. I was amazed. We went to Toledo Bend for a college tournament. That place is like a hundred seventy thousand acres. Yeah, I will but say yeah. that this is this has a really large basin to it. Which, so it's yeah, not like a lot it's of not like water. linear heart where there's like all these coves and yeah 
Should we just should we do some live map study on the uh, the channel yeah. tonight? Well, that's the thing. Like Lanier, you've got maybe not a ton of water. That's still a lot of water, but you've got a lot of shoreline. Okay, we'll pull it up here. For fun. Do something new tonight. Yeah, why not? All right, so we'll look at Google Maps here first. So it doesn't look that big. There's no perspective here. It's all relative. But we'll see, let's see, what is there a scale on this? Uh, I don't know. But yeah, that's a, like 110, 120,000 acres. But it's, and out here, like, I want to say this is like 90 to 100 feet deep. Nice. But uh, you get into these bays, it's a lot of wild rice and reeds and like emergent vegetation. Uh, so like this is all emergent. It's almost like you get in here and this is like Okeechobee in here. Am I, am I supposed to be uh, seeing it? Oh. Nice. All right, let's start over. So. <laughs> That's kind of a cool looking lake. Yeah. So this big bay. like four like separate lakes. And this actually the really really deep water is in Walker Bay, but then like I say, you get over into Boy Bay, and this is like Okeechobee-ish. Yeah, like, that's what I was about to say. Wild rice pads, cattails, emergent vet. Like this is this is all water in here. Like that's standing wild rice. Um, so I'm yeah, assuming pretty... most of the smallmouth stuff is in those two big bays. I don't know. It kind of sounds like they're a little bit everywhere. <clears throat> I have not really spent that much time. Uh, Surely not I'm a lake lot of that big, on, though. Not a lot of docks on this lake, unlike Lanier. Yeah, we do have quite a few. But I'm assuming on a lake that big, with it being up north, too, there's got to be a lot of dead water, right? Which makes it at least a little bit easier. Maybe not, though. Yeah, here, this gives you a little more perspective of what it nice. looks like here. So this is a lot of... I guess this is more like 30, 40 feet. Um, these bays are all like 5, 10 foot less. Mississippi River actually connects here. <laughs> but this is where like the insanely deep water is here. You got like 155 feet down here. Oh, shoot. Yeah, without the map, you wouldn't have expected it to be there. Without the so. topo map. Interesting. But I've always done really well, like frogging and flipping largemouth. And now we're going to probably have to explore smallmouth to be competitive from what it sounds like. So it'll be interesting. So what, like they're getting like 20 plus pound bags of smallmouth? Yeah. So they had the Bass Nation team trail there, which is what the local event that you could make the, the team championship. And I think it took 23 smallmouth yeah. to win two weekends yeah, ago. It's a good bag. It was crazy to see on the, uh, the St. Lawrence, the the weirdly low weights for that place. I mean, still not low weights, but yeah, I mean the top end weights were there, but like it right, kind of like right. but... they became somewhat pedestrian, right? After the yeah, you know, the top ten, like eighteen or nineteen being a good bag, and I know that is a good bag, but for that place, you know, it's usually not too great. But there also has not been a multi-day tournament up here where smallmouth. So only recently have they actually like allowed bigger tournaments where the DNR has actually permitted smallmouth. So there's not a ton of data. A lot of the tournaments have been in the spring when they're still 
but this was a summer tournament and they actually they caught them but there's not been this will be a hundred boat tournament for three days which will kind of really tell us there'll be a, we'll, we'll know a lot more about the smallmouth population after a hundred boats for three days you know almost like an open right where like three four days of practice three days of tournament people leaning on them how do they respond to that pressure? So we'll see. Right. It's kind of like if you if you were allowed to weigh in five smallmouth on Dale Hollow, I think everyone right. would start going to Dale Hollow because that place is shock full of them. You just never get to see them. Right. Yeah, good luck. That'll be cool. Yeah, excited. Uh, Tom says, what kind of knife are you fidgeting with? I don't have a knife. I don't know what I'm fidgeting oh. with. <laughs> can of rogues maybe no no knife on me nice so what do you got left for this year i think you won like a, a wednesday night or a tuesday night or last week or something but like what else are you fishing and what's what's coming up um yeah there's you know the tuesday night or the thursday night or the sunday tournaments whatever the little local stuff but um there's you know we have our two super tournaments in august so that's kiwi and lanier for uh, the BFLs and then the two regional championships are both in October. One of them's on Eufaula in Alabama. The other one's on Norman, North Carolina. And then the Toyota championship. And then we get like a fall trail or a winter trip, more a winter trail on Lanier. I'll be fishing after that. But in terms of big tournaments, just, sure. just those regional championships and then the Toyota championship. And then I might try to, I haven't fished much of anything where you can win that first flight money. And you can only do that, you know, it's once every calendar year. So I need to try to get on that, but that's mm. pretty much it. Right. And it looks yeah. like you, uh, you went and uh, kind of went on a vacation and went and fished the, uh, the Toyota on Champlain. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that was awesome. Was that your like first experience yeah. like North? What did you think? And what? It was sick. It was sick. The, uh, I liked like just like the being up there i like like minus the fishing like i like the area a lot and then the fishing was really good too i don't think it's like as insane as like if i would have went to like a st lawrence or something obviously but it uh it was awesome and i know i barely missed the check there i, I promise you that was one of the worst days i've ever had losing fish that second day like it was horrendous i weighed 16 Smallies. and a half yeah i weighed 16 and a half the second day with a five and two fours and then he had two he had to pinch <laughs> the tail on so it was like just brutal, but I was catching them on a, on a Vixen actually throwing it an absolute country mile. I had it on like my old topwater reel. It's one of those old BB one pros. Cause you can fit as much 50 pound braid as you want on it. And 90% of the time they would eat it on the end of the cast. So you'd have to clear like 10 jumps. And I mean, I did fresh hooks every morning and I just could not get them in the boat that last day, but it was super fun. Try double split rings. I didn't. I, I haven't done the braid splurrings either, but I need to. Maybe that would have made for a lot better tournament. Who knows? <clears throat> but no, it was super cool. Like catching them on top water. Like that was kind of like we were saying about uh, the scope a second ago. Actually, you could see the the grass clumps, and you throw over them, and you'd never see or almost never see a fish. And then right. you'd just be walking it, and one would just meander out of there. And it's weird. Like at home, like you want to walk it super fast, but like. If you happen to see one come out and get on it, like you would want to like just like tap, 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 and eventually one would smoke it. Whereas usually on a herring lake, if you start working it slow, they're just gonna swim away from it. But 
it was super fun. It was not too far off what I do here, but I definitely got destroyed by the uh, the floggers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you would have been there a little later, you probably would have been. That so that probably contributed, right? You got you probably also had a lot of fish just coming off the bed, so they're, mm-hmm. you know, skinny. probably soft mouth and skinny and yeah. you know not yeah. But it was like freak stuff. Like it was just stupid. Like. I don't know. I guess the you want to blame it on something, but I feel like it was just bad luck because, I mean, I shouldn't have lost that many, but it was bad. Even that five-pound largemouth came out there where I was catching smallmouth. That's pretty random. But it was a nice. tough day, too, for sure. The difference <laughs> in a the difference in a three-and-a-half-pounder and a, a four-pounder there is insane, and right. especially the difference in a 15-inch or anything three and a half pounder, but I was so mad I had those two in there. But anyway, it was a super cool lake. I would love to go back. I want to go back north in general. I was going to go to St. Lawrence for that Toyota, but we had that last PFL on Kiwi and it was such an expensive trip. Like I would go if I didn't have anything else, but I'm just going to push that. It's an hour or two hours from the house. So sure. Yeah. Makes more sense. yeah I actually just had a buddy, uh, TK Tacklecraft. He came up, visited, and I took him on like a five day fishing bender up here in minnesota and that was his first time ever being up north so that was a pretty cool experience to be able to take him out and just kind of like yeah so have you been to have you been to champlain i actually have only fished champlain once for like three or four hours in the evening when i was out there on a work trip and this was like 10 plus years ago and i was out there with jody white nice who just won on the st lawrence river and on Champlain, he won some local tournament the day after. Yeah, he's the been Toyota. he's been doing really well lately on like this ABA circuit, I think. Or yeah, he well, he won circuit. like a local tournament, then he won an ABA Open series, yeah. and then he just won the Open. Like Jody's a dang good fisherman. Uh, all those years of Jody watching all yeah. these guys on tour, he's finally like, and he's, he's spending picked, a ton of time yeah. in the water. It's all coming together, and he's he's uh, he's doing really well for himself. So yeah, super good guy. It's, he's easy to root for. I don't know if you ever met him in person, but he's he's a good dude. I have, yeah. He's su- you're you nailed it. He's super easy to root for. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so like yeah, back then, like he was. I want to say that was. I think that was before he worked for FLW. Like I think he was still a college kid at Virginia Tech at home for the summer. And like just your social media, like I was out there and I was like VT, like this was before Jody Blanco. I think he was VT Basser. And I was like, just social media connection. And he was like, yeah, come on. Yeah, we'll, we'll get you out on the water. Yeah. Caught a few smallmouth and we, we were out of the, just south of, uh, what's the town in uh, Burlington. So we were like on the, the Vermont side, south of Burlington, down where his family places. And we fished for there for a couple hours and caught some two, three, four pounders that night and had some fun and caught an early flight the next day, but that's the only time I've ever been there. Definitely want to go more because like, I, I actually have people I know that have got, I mean, like it definitely fit like Champlain fishes like here, like we, like yeah. we have lakes that set up like Champlain. Yeah. Yeah. He pulled up on me day one um, for like pictures or whatever. And I was just like, gosh, I like didn't catch anything when he was there. He was like, he's probably just looking at me like this dude's doing the stupidest crap right now because he lives right there. But uh, I figured out I what don't he's thing with, by the way. He probably thought that it's an AirPod case. So every time I go like there that, there you go. That's his knife yeah. right there. He hurt, yeah. 
So the Super and Lanier in August? Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah, late August. I lost that one by two ounces last year. So I had like a four-pound lead after the first day and then just blew it. So hopefully we can get some redemption this year. That's the one time of the year you'll see some pretty low weights. I say low. Mm-hmm. I think I had like 18 the first day and then uh, 13 the second. But it uh, that's it gets grimy in late August and September. Mm-hmm. But yeah, super excited for that one. And Kiwi. That'll be cool. I like that one. Is the 125 the, the main magic yeah. swimmer? That's the only one for me. The only, not the main, it's the only. I have a few of the small ones. I don't think I've ever thrown them. <clears throat> I have one of like the giant ones too. Not giant, but like the seven and a half maybe <clears throat> inch one. It's custom painted and everything, but I've never actually made a cast with it. Have you been watching the lacrosse invitational at all? Yes. Yeah. I got a couple of buddies that fish it. So I was following along. I haven't got to watch any of the live just because of guiding and everything, but um, I I was rooting for some buddies. My buddy, Jack Daniels, he made the cut. Christian Greco, I room with him a good bit. And Jack. Christian missed it. Uh, my other buddy, Cody, missed it. But looks like I've, I've talked to Nick Hatfield a few times last this year. He's killing it. He was leading the first uh-huh. day after winning that. And, Looks like it, uh, the locals they all let in are killing it. So yeah, I actually did a whole video. With you, that is my one. I've got a lot of gripes with everything in pro fishing, and I think if you're a big tournament fisherman, you should. But one thing the Invitationals did that I think is just ridiculous is letting locals in, because then it's no different than just a big pot tournament. But I hate that they did that. I hate it. And no, I mean no district. If they did one in Lanier, I'd I'd go pay to get in it, but. It's just I don't understand that, especially not when you got guys trying to get to Redcrest and you know trying to make some money. It's I think that's ridiculous. I hope they change that for next year. Yeah, it it kind of wreaks a little bit of desperation to fill the field. It, and... it, that's exactly what it is. They just want more money. But but honestly, FLW had a history of that like for a long time. They did that even on the tour level um, back in the day. But oh, really? I, I, so I did a fancy fishing preview, and I think. I don't think people realize this has been happening all year, but it's only because nobody's really, for whatever reason, nobody's done well, per se. Uh, yeah. You know, nobody, nobody's, a, a jackpotter hasn't won one or really, like, made a big splash in any of these events. And I think this could be the one um, where, like, Brigan, who is just an absolute, you know, he's like you on Lanier, right? Uh, but on the cross, like. <laughs> like sure. Uh, but maybe longer because he's older. He's probably, you know, he's got like, uh, you know, 20 years of like stomping people, taking people's yeah. money. Like, Brigham you know, was the like... one name I knew from up there that was just stupid yeah. good. And then, and he, uh, I don't know, pretty... is, is the guy leading it one of them, Steve Lopez? He's from Wisconsin, but he is actually fishing all the events. Okay. But I would not, okay. he's from Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and I'm sure he's got experience. But he probably lives about as close as I do to lacrosse, which is about two and a half hours. But I wouldn't say he's a local. I don't. I don't know that he's got like a. This will be his second check of the year. Um, on the yeah, this is kind of this is kind of hilarious. The whole top three is from Wisconsin, and Matt Stefan. I mean, he's. I know he's. Yeah, he's he's yeah. been doing it forever. I know. I actually know Matt a little bit, but yeah, he's he's killing it this year. I'm but the other him. guy. Uh, Lopez, he fished the full circuit last year and this year. 
Right. So Bruggen's really so, the only one. Unless uh, some of these other yeah. guys they put in in the top ten. K- so, Cade Laffenberg, that's one of them, right? Cade Laffenberg, uh, Kevin Rue down in 16th. Jeff Ritter. Those are guys that are all like Jeff Ritter, local yeah, fish the Great name. Lakes BFLs. Those are all guys that have made made the All Americans out of that division. Nice, nice. Did anyone you know personally fish that All American? Um, I mean, I know Cade. I've fished a team tournament with him. I've fished with Cade quite a few times. I've stayed at his house. Um, I've never fished with Jeff, but I've drove. I drew his dad a couple times in like weekend series as a co angler. Yeah. So I mean, well, I'm saying I none of your buddies of, fished uh, the All American. What's that? No, not that year. The uh, Cade and Kevin both made it the year that was on Douglas. Was that two years ago? Yeah, or maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, was either last year or two years ago. Yeah, last year was somewhere else. I think I can't remember. But I got you. Hunter Litchfield. It was on Hamilton last year. That's right. Okay, so it's only two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah. Almost yeah. all of the locals are in the top fifty, and a handful of them are got a shot at it going into tomorrow right. for sure. So, yeah, I just think I don't know. I don't like the whole jackpotter thing. Like, if you want to do a tour of that size, like, I don't know, it just doesn't sit right with me. But yeah, I I agree. Like, if I'm if I'm in your position, and I'm thinking about laying down. 40 grand in entry fees or whatever it is next year like i'm like no like i'd rather fish 20 boats or 10 boats short than fill it with locals 10 locals at every event right and it's the 10 best on the whole thing so it's like i don't know i guess it shows how good some of the guys that I mean, it shows how good some of that competition is because it's not just straight locals at the top. Like you said, this one, it kind of is, but still. But, yeah, if if Mike Briggan pulls it off tomorrow, you're going to hear an uproar. Yeah. I believe Maybe it. Maybe that's I guess, what needs what to is happen. He three pounds short? I guess three pounds like is a pretty good lead. Just, on... just under three. But he's only in third, right? So, like. And Matt Steffen, I guess he's got. I mean, Matt's in a pretty good position because now he's locked in to the BPT. Yeah, he's on the BPT. So he can zero tomorrow, and he's still going to be in the BPT. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can he's he can fish pretty comfortably. Like the pressure, yeah. I mean, all those guys should be fishing to win, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and he might win AOI. He he took it over today over. Um... Yeah, because I don't think well, I think he took it over in it. Yeah, I think he took it over yesterday. So I don't know if today secured it or not. But he might have to stay up high, though. That's true. I don't know. Let's see. I think they got it. I don't know. They don't have it as like a headline. The MLF website is such a good website. <laughs> Was that sarcastic? It still sells Ron Nelson as leading. So oh, nice. they haven't changed it at all. I guess the, I don't. Well, I think that's because they can't like fully update it until it's like official, because like stuff could still swap. I don't know. Yeah, but Bassmaster every day of the opens, every day of the opens and every day of the elites, they update the AOI for like the EQs and the. Do they the really? League. I did not know. That. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was always after the event. That's cool. I think so. Or at least they show it 
I don't know. I think they did. Right. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. I think this one's better than the Bass website. I'll give it that. But... Yeah, there's parts of it. Unless you're trying to look at like BPT stats or like BPT results or statistics or details of winnings or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah, still to this day, Uh, when I look up like point standings for the anything Bassmaster, I have to look up Bassmaster, whatever point standings and click on the link because I don't know how to get to it from the site. hmm. Oh. What's AOI get? Um, I don't know what I heard Rookie of the Year gets a. SUV? Don't they get like a Polaris or something? Maybe it was a, maybe it wasn't a yeah, it wasn't an SUV. I bet it's a ATV is probably what they meant to say. <laughs> a little bit of a difference there in price. Yeah. I think they said SUV, but I think they meant ATV. I don't know what yeah. AOI gets. It's surprisingly not much. No. Well, I mean on the MLS honest. side typically. Yeah. They it varies side. wildly from year to year, it seems like. Yeah. Um, but the top well, eight get into the BPT. I think Bassmaster, for the longest time, you didn't get anything for AOI, which was like a talked about thing. Um, They've been doing Maybe AOI like money for quite a while. Yeah. What, what, she did, what they didn't pay was like if you won the AOI, AOI championship, so like when Fighter won that on Malax the first time. Yeah. Because he came into that event like 50th in AOI points, and by winning it, he was he moved up to like 48th. Yeah. And basically, he won the minimum like four grand or five grand for the AOI finish, even though he won that tournament. And it yeah. wouldn't have mattered if he would have not showed up, or if he would have won the tournament, he still would have got that like four grand. Maybe it was um, FLW then, because I know like even when they switched to Bass Pro Tour, or I guess they bought him, whatever, but. They didn't give anything to the guys, and then like two years later at the AOI conference, they like handed the previous three years guys like fifty thousand dollar checks. So they were like, "All right, we got to make right by this." But yeah, yeah, I definitely think AOI should. I don't know what it I, it should it should be just as prestigious as a big win. I think Bassmaster is like a hundred grand to win AOI. Yeah, it so, is. Yeah, that's and it pays it down be. to like basically if you finish in the top, I want to say like. 40th is like an eight or ten thousand dollar bonus for AOI. That's so good. It, it, yeah, I think it's got better over the last two years, too, two or three years. But I'm pretty sure there, there is hardware for Angler of the Year. Yes, there is hardware. I'm pretty sure you get like a trophy, but as far as like cash, like some of these circuits have been pretty chintzy with that. Um, yeah. Kyle says, How much difference is St. Clair and Champlain? A lot different. I've not been on St. Clair, but everything that I've Claire, seen, but I know that, yeah. Yeah, like St. Clair is like maximum thirty foot deep, and like if you if you picture a milk saucer and a little bit of reeds along the end, a little bit of scrubby sand grass just on like the first rim, and then just sand in the middle. That's what St. Clair looks like. And yep. Champlain is like long and deep and full of structure and rocks and vegetation and all kinds of things. So, yeah, quite a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my buddies just got back from there. My buddy went for like their bachelor party. I was supposed to go, but I had ICAST. I didn't want to miss it this year, but they said it was just like you would just float around and see one. And it was, they said it was so stupid. They would come up and eat your bait, 
well before it got to the bottom. And there were several times they'd lose one, open their bail, drop it back to the bottom, and the same fish would eat it. And like that, like Champlain was nothing like that. Like even some of the ones you saw, like plenty of them didn't bite. But I'm sorry that you had to meet Bailey at ICAST. <laughs> yeah, we Just talked kidding, for a Bailey. little while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's got true. the. Uh, Fighter did angler. not get a trophy when he won Malax, but somebody made him a trophy. Nice. Nice. Cool, dude. Um, so I didn't really see what else was on the list here. Mm-mm-mm. So you're a guide. Question. Have you heard of fishtips.com? Oh yeah. Awesome. Man, awesome talk like every week. Yeah. So what are what are your thoughts on uh, fish tips? Are you signed? Are you on there? I haven't looked. No, so I I think it's a great idea. I, I just haven't done it yet. I don't know. It's like I said, I think it's a really good platform. I think all his reasoning behind it makes sense. Like people wanting to make money on the side, like mm-hmm. all for it. But I just haven't posted on there yet, but I think it's an awesome idea. It's got, it's got some serious potential. I could definitely see it getting huge. But so it's like if you're just a guide and you want to make more income, that's one thing. But in your position where you're guiding and fishing a ton of tournaments on your lakes, I could see where that'd be a little, maybe a little less productive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And. Maybe maybe down the line when it gets to where it's uh, mainstream, a bunch of people are using it. I I can see myself doing it, but right now I don't know. I might still hop on it. I just I haven't I haven't done it yet. But no, me and Austin are good friends. We we've been trying to get we've been trying to fish together over the last month. We're both just so busy, but sure, he's a good dude. He lives he's up in like kind of the mountain mountain area of Georgia, so he fishes Chattoog and Burton and all those little mountain lakes. But he's a good fisherman too. Yeah, absolutely. He's been on here a couple times. We've talked to him. So he's a fun guest to have on for sure. Very high energy. <laughs> That's what I, I just did. realized. I, I didn't cut some nice walleyes one. on our trip, and I posted a tip for walleyes. <laughs> nice. How many have you sold on there? I don't think I've sold any. <laughs> I haven't tried really hard, and I also haven't like posted anything to social or anything like that. Yeah. But I did get some tackle in. What do we got there? Oh, let's see. Got something from Horseshoe Custom. It's probably an issue when you know when you like don't remember what's in the bag. Yeah, been there. We got the got a couple of uh AJ's, this is secret Coingler. AJ's magic or Mendy magic, his uh, custom <clears throat> finesse jig, kind nice. of a green pumpkin brown with a little bit of chartreuse, wire tied. Like yeah. So we got yeah, a couple packs of those, and then his little secret hand poured uh, trailers that he likes, whereas. So if a guy can catch them behind guys like us and you and be successful, then I figure like if I have it in the front of the boat, then it should be game on, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shout out to AJ. So 
might have to open these up so we can get the full. Doesn't do them justice when I think they're in the package. Try these up on uh, Leech Lake. That's good. And he's got kind of a, a custom weed guard where he's blending. Yeah, I saw. I thought one of your scary things was stuck green in pumpkin it, but... and chartreuse. See, those are the details that are cool as crap, but I can just never actually see making a difference. <laughs> Until you catch them. Yeah, and then, like, then I gotta have that confidence. Now. Yeah, there. Nice. And I got a glitter sticker. Yeah, I don't know. Did you miss that on the stream, TK? Yeah. You just gotta put in code... Uh, muffin and you get free plastics with your jig purchases i feel like i used to throw a jig a lot more than i do now i'm still a big jig, jig guy i do not throw it much anymore yeah i did see that austin posted he got a bunch of swim baits in yeah he does uh, he's got a bunch he's got a bunch you got into that the big glides and all that um i've uh definitely bought some <laughs> i'm not good about like throwing them and catching fish yeah. on them but i like at the classic i grabbed a couple of the uh, trick shads i got a couple of the spro kgbs nice and so i mean I, I i want to do more of that uh i'm in the same boat as you i've got some of the chad shads and whatnot but other than fun fishing i've not thrown them very much at all I mean, you, would you need that... like a week to go out there and really throw it, I think. And it has to right. be when it's like at least decent. But you can't well, you just fish? like go throw do it you... for 30 minutes. Do you fish when you're guiding or not? Yeah. Yeah, I have to or I'd go crazy. But it, I will say that if I'm with like, so I do like max of two people typically. If it's a two-person trip and they're maybe pretty new to fishing, which, you know, a lot of times you get, then... I won't really fish at all or really on a lot of the two person trips i don't fish just because the way we're fishing you're pulling up you're making a couple casts over the school sure. and you're gone i won't fish but like on my one person trips i fish the whole time because we can double up on every hole so like sometimes i'll throw out there first like do the lead cast and then once i call them up i'm like go fire in there because like i'm making a more accurate cast to call them up but then like if they're really dialed in or they want to throw first or like if we're throwing a top water first and following up with something else, like maybe they just want to go first and then they'll throw in there and then I'll follow up and catch one. So I fish a bunch on trips. Yeah. So I feel like that would be your opportunity. Like to play with yeah, glides. But like, do you really need to like, catch them all day? Like, I feel like, or do you think it would mess their fishing yeah. up if you threw the glide? That's the thing. It would mess it up. And I think glides, the one place they don't really have that much of a place in is on a herring lake. And I'm not saying you can't throw them out there, but in Justin's bait, his herring glide bait's an example because it's a high speed glide bait. But if you were to take like a Chad Chad or something right now and throw it over a brush pile and just, you know, twitch, 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 could you catch fish on it? Yes. But I think generally speaking, it looks nothing like a herring the way they move and it's a hair too slow. So I just don't think it would have that much of a tournament application. I think I'd go out there and catch them on it right now. But like, if you went out on Lanier in March or like April or something, you'd probably smash them on it because they're shallow and whatnot. But 
I think right now it would just not not play that much of a role. Because the way Austin makes it sound like he, when he's on guide trips, he's always playing with like baits and like experimenting yeah. with clients and stuff. But that's also a different style lake too, I suppose. But yeah. Well, they, and even he's doing a whole different thing. Like those mountain lakes, they're mm -hmm. it's just different where he's at. But yeah. not to say you couldn't do it down here, but it's just I, it's you're just not, making excuses. You just like to catch them. You don't want to stop catching them. You're right. Just admit it. No, I could go up. You could go up and throw a Chad chat on some shade lines or something. I'm sure, but like the offshore thing, I just I don't see it happening. But maybe that's just being stubborn. Who knows? I'm the same. But way. I do. Like I I'm tinker. Like... I tinker a lot on trips, just not with the glide baits yet. But I'll I'll mess around with different new baits I've got or different colors new, or whatever. New swim baits, new like yeah, little Kitex yeah. and. Or I've yeah. had, I mean, I've had clients get in the boat that like sometimes they don't even fish much and they'll do something and I'm, they'll like catch one and I'm like, what? And they're like, I'll try it. And I'm like, oh, wait, there was actually something to that. So like I'll learn a lot just watching other people fish sometimes too. So yeah, definitely nice. learn a lot, but it is kind of monotonous, like the brush thing, because it's pretty much from like May to October, you pretty much just go out there and throw over schools of fish with top water. You're just like changing. Stuff. Are they on the points? Are they in ten foot? Are they in thirty foot? Like you're just like even then, them. like they're yeah, like they're always like the same in, rush like, piles for like six months. They just sit there and get beat. Well, on, that's or? the thing. Like no, they they move a lot. They move a lot, and like I said, it's not always brush oriented. That's one thing. Like you do have to stay on top of where they're going. Like sometimes, like you'll have a hump that's got two hundred on it, and then two weeks later there's nothing like they move a ton so like they, they definitely move around you got to stay on top of that but the baits you catch them on or at least the ones we do like i like calling them up that's kind of like what the if you come to lanier especially from out of town or you don't get to fish there much i don't want you to go there and catch them on a drop shot i'd rather have you or catch shaky them on head a scoop. or yeah you're like yeah the, what the lake's known for is calling up a school of 30 of them and they're all sharking over your top water till one gets it. Even if you don't catch one, that's way more fun than missing one on a shaky head. <laughs> top water is not that fun. Come on. I mean, no, it sucks. I'm telling <laughs> you, it is, it is some of the most fun bass fishing you can do. No, um, no, I, I totally, like I said, like I told you, like I remember watching like those early 2000 uh, yeah. elite series on Clark's Hill going, that looks like the most amazing thing in the world. Like they literally, yeah, when you fire up a school, like not always, but like if they're going, they will dogfight over it till one gets it. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for the reminder. Little thumbs Thank up. Thank you. Doesn't appreciate hurt anybody. Um, honestly, so like in lacrosse, you get in the right duckweed mats and you can have largemouth fighting over your frog in a duckweed mat. Now that really is a good time. Like several <laughs> different ones. Yeah. You'll like, you'll like, it, when when it's when it's right, you'll typically have like a little bit of like a sand drop and some current that'll push this duckweed like through in like so there'll be like current stacking up and bait in there, and there'll be a school like under a duckweed mat and it'll be like super thin like not like not like a cheese mat but just that real thin duckweed, and you like start walking your frog and you'll see like one go, Whoa. and before like his tail even clears it, there's one coming from the other way. Nice. And you know there's multiple fish in there, and then you can like throw back in there and like catch like five or six on like six casts in a row. That sounds really fun. Yeah, I love. Like, so it's like I think it's combining earlier, like but... your old love with your new love, yeah. and like. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had this idea of like trying to get like a white popping frog, and like I know it wouldn't be the deal, but like one of those days they're really chewing, and try to get a big spot that you want out there in open water yeah. over a brush pile, just because it'd be cool. But 
yeah, I love I love throwing a frog. That's awesome. Let's see here. Uh, that was a question here. I thought. Mm. Oh, Clay wants to know: Is there a thermal client on Lanier right now? Or is that That's one really of those cool things. No, it is, but like I have a bad habit of not paying attention to it. But I think it's in like thirty. Because like you, I, you can pretty much just tell where the fish are at. I guess that's kind of where the thermal fine is. But I think it's like right at around twenty-five to thirty, probably thirty. And is that and is that where you're catching most of your fish is right above that, it's or between twenty and thirty? Yeah, that's where okay. most of them are. But a lot of times you'll you'll be fishing a hump or something in thirty to forty feet, and they'll be set up ten feet below the surface. So they're not always that deep, but hmm. yeah, the deepest you'll see the fish is really like thirty foot. <laughs> Very cool. Makes me want to get yeah. out and fish some some spots. You need to. I'm telling you, it's good. It's good. But yeah, you'll have like a, you know, it'll be 30 feet deep, and someone dropped an oak tree that comes up 20 feet, so they'll be suspended over the over the tree. But yeah, I'm telling you, you if you come down here for work or whatever, hell, hit, hit me up. We'll go. But it's it's incredible. Just don't flake out like RJ. I won't flake. Or yeah, don't flake out like RJ. Yeah, he he lost his invite. No, he wanted to go so bad. I felt bad. <laughs> he, he, you, I could just see you like crushing him on top water, and RJ like trying to like convince him to bite like some respect colored one ten jerk bait, <laughs> <laughs> and they won't touch it. And he's just like, "Yep, yep." No, I have. Yeah, I get a lot of that. Like guys wanting to like throw certain baits, and like I'll let him throw them for a little while, but then like. Once you catch a couple and they've caught nothing, they'll kind of finally be like, all right, let's, let's throw what we actually need to be throwing. Right on, dude. Well, I don't know if anybody's got any questions. We've been about 90 minutes. I feel like we covered a lot of water. Appreciate you making the time. You probably got to get up yes, and do sir. some guiding tomorrow, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got a nice 5 a.m. wake up call, but it's all good. Like I said, I got a very rare off day today, so I got well rested last night. Yeah. Did you, uh, you are in the devil's time zone. So, um, did was there? Did you treat yourself at all after the All American? Not one bit. I put it all in money market accounts and stuff, and just forgot I had it. Nice. That's why I, I try to do that with everything, even the money I make guiding. Like just you know, spend just enough to like the one thing I'll spend on is like tackle and like fishing stuff, like stuff that you know you have to right. buy to be successful. But no, I, I save as much as humanly possible you didn't go from like a 12 to a 16 inch live scope screen or anything with the... no but i will next year i have the 12 now i'm gonna get the 16 next year but i did think about that that's one thing but nah nothing crazy for me at all would you guide on west point uh no it's too far and i mean maybe if i was down there and someone wanted to go it's not that great of a lake but it's fun. You can catch actually, a lot of small spots in it. Actually, the first time I ever went on a guide trip was on West Point. Really? Did you go with Ken? Yeah. I have no idea. This is a long time ago. I was like 12. I think 14. that's his name. There's like one guide down there. That's like the guy. I think, I think his name's Ken. This this would have been like 30 years ago, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I think he's pretty old. So maybe I did catch like a seven pounder on a Carolina rig, though. That doesn't suck. I, I, don't I was think pretty ever... jacked up at the time. Yeah, we the went there every year. Made, like, uh, our lunch was like 
pre-cooked Cornish game hens wrapped in tinfoil that we ate. Like he oh, like. Heck yeah. That was nice. Do you provide Cornish game hens for your clients for lunch or no? no? I don't. I don't. I'm never even. I don't even know what that is. To be totally honest with you, it's like it's like a little small chicken, but it was like picture like the rotisserie chicken you get at like the grocery stores, but like a smaller mini one for like one person that you could eat for lunch. Nice. No, everyone. Everyone's got their own dietary habits. So I just bring waters and usually tell people if they want anything to eat, just bring it. Water, <laughs> right. ice, gas, fishing rods. All just the, the basics. Top yeah. waters. Yeah. But no, I was I was tempted to get a new truck, but they're also just so expensive right now. So I held off on that. Right on. Well, if you guys came in late, I think we gave away some juicy nuggets tonight. Had some good stories, some good conversation. Be part of the replay squad, whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. Or if, uh, you know, hey, if you didn't catch it all and you're an MP3 podcast guy, you can search Hellabass on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for coming on, Emil. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I seriously, I enjoyed always, it. Here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>